0: kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply welcome to the starfleet leadership academy leadership development told through the lens of star trek your host jeff aiken is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership he specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge star trek fan and now here's your host jeff aiken Welcome, thanks for joining me today. Integrity. I'll bet a few bars of gold press latinum that you work at a place, or have worked at a place, that had this word plastered on posters throughout the building. But what does it actually look like to have integrity? And why, why would you even want to? I'm going to answer both of those questions and a few more as we watch the 24th episode of the fourth season of The Next Generation, the mind's eye. Geordie LaForge, the chief engineer of the Enterprise, is on his way to RISA for a conference. It's him alone in a shuttle. He's chatting with the computer because, well, he's got some time to kill. Three hours. But he's not bored for long. A Romulan warbird uncloaks right outside the shuttle and beams him off of it. The enterprise is on its way to a klingon colony with a klingon ambassador there's a rebellion on the colony and he's heading there to investigate some very serious allegations the governor of Krios is charged that the federation is secretly aiding the rebels he specifically asked for picard and the enterprise to accompany him because many many on the klingon high council respect them jordi is getting roughed up by the romulans they have him hooked up to some medical-looking devices. And a lookalike, a Jordi LaForge lookalike, is seen heading off to replace him at the conference so they don't know that he's missing. This is all very well-planned. Your visor will be returned to you. Jordi. you see, Jordi is blind, and he uses the visor, that thing that he wears over his eyes, he uses that for, well, his version of vision. The Romulans have taken it off. And hooked his visual cortex up to a machine they're showing him horrifying images and sit like a horror show cooperative malchick in the chair of torture while they flashed nasty bits of ultra on the screen and because they're wired directly in he can't not see them the romulan says that they're conditioning him to perform a task there's some shadowed figure in the corner that keeps asking questions how will we be certain your procedure has been successful now quick spoiler alert back in the 18th episode of the Starfleet Leadership Academy we met Sella for the first time that was chronologically actually her last appearance in Star Trek but this is her first and we don't know that it's Sella yet so just kind of a weird timeline thing that comes up from watching Star Trek through the Starfleet Leadership Academy. But right now, at this point, we just know that there's some dark figure pushing some pretty, pretty twisted stuff. Well, dude says they're going to run some tests to be sure that the conditioning sticks, and she seems satisfied with that. They head into a holodeck sort of thing, and wow, wow does this conditioning work. Who is that man sitting over there? That's Steve O'Brien. I want you to kill him, okay?" He just phasers him, sits down and starts drinking with the others at the table. They send him on his way, and he returns to the Enterprise. He has a full set of memories from the conference, and he has no idea, not even a suspicion, that he's been conditioned. Well, I ate enough for 12 people. The food there is terrific. They've got a chocolate there, Counselor, that you would love. Captain Picard asks him to help with the investigation on the Federation involvement in the rebellion. As he heads off to do that, Data picks something up. Our sensors have detected a brief energy fluctuation in the E-Band. The E-Band is unusual. That's not a very normal thing. They'll reference this a few more times throughout the episode, but you? You just need to keep that in mind for now. On the planet, the Governor provides the evidence they've found that the Federation has been aiding the Rebels. He hands over a crate of phaser rifles. It does appear to be Federation issue. He begrudgingly agrees to let Picard and crew analyze the rifles to see if there's anything odd about them. Data and Geordi, they get to it. All the specs are lining up. It looks like it's Federation, until Data notices a discrepancy in discharge ratings. It's enough to tell that it's definitely not Starfleet issue. They do a little deductive reasoning and confirm their readings. They report to Picard, the ambassador, and the governor that it was the Romulans. They fashion the perfect Federation rifle, but they had to charge it from their own energy sources. Introducing MagSafe for iPhone. Picard notes that the Romulans stand to gain from the Klingons and Federation being at odds. This tangled web is starting to look a little more clear. Jordy goes to the bar at 10 forward, and Chief O'Brien is there. Awkward. LaForge approaches him, pauses, and then purposely pours his drink on him. He thinks it was an accident, and O'Brien's pretty cool with it. But it looks like maybe another test before the Romulans flip his switch. Maybe. And when they do, will it be to implicate the Federation in something, like maybe a rebellion? Well, the next scene appears to answer that. Jordy is rewiring a whole bunch of stuff in a cargo bay and he beams a crate of weapons to the planet's surface. Verify that all record of these modifications are being erased from each directory. He totally covers his tracks after they've been beamed down. It's a total Star Trek VI moment. What's happened? We have fired on the Chancellor's ship. Torpedo, please confirm. forward. fired. The governor intercepts the weapons. Picard, of course, denies it, right? He's got no reason to think this happened. But the ship's records do show they beam them down. Tensions are high and they're growing. The ambassador is going to try to keep things cool, but it is not looking good. They start investigating. No one, not even Jordy, can even tell how all this even happened yet. They find pieces, but there's no there's no trace. There's no way to actually tell who did everything that happened. They say there are only about four people on board that have the skills to do this. Data, Chief O'Brien some dude down in engineering, and Geordi LaForge. All of them have alibis with witnesses, except for Geordi. But Worf trusts him and determines that there must be someone else on board. We trace the call. It's coming from inside the house. You hear me? It's coming from inside the house. So the search continues. They update Picard and the ambassador as Riker asks Data to look into another E-band emission that the ambassador asks about. Before the ambassador heads to the planet to bring the governor to the ship to observe the investigation he invites laforge to his quarters where he drops a huge bomb the investigation is moving faster than we expected you're in danger of being exposed he's in on it oh and there's more i'll have governor bog with me your captain and i will bring him to the cargo bay I want you to kill him there in front of many witnesses. Whoa, man, this this is huge. A Federation officer killing the governor in front of everyone? Yeah, 100% chance that'll kick off the conflict the Romulans are looking for. In the meantime, data has cracked the E-band code. The only thing it could be used for is covert communication sent directly into a person's Neuro Pathways. The receiver would need to be a system designed to modify the electromagnetic spectrum and carry those messages directly to the human brain, aka Jordy's visor. So he's on the hunt for any supporting evidence, which he eventually finds right as Jordy is in position to blast the governor. He has Worf arrest him despite some high stakes tension and drama along the way, and the day is saved. Seriously, why didn't he just have him arrested right away while he was looking for the evidence? I don't know. Feels like that would have made a lot more sense. But Data comes in. He explains everything that he and we have learned along the way. Right? Jordi's shuttle was abducted by Romulans. He was conditioned and has been receiving commands through E-band emissions to his visor. But wait, there's more. Data has determined that E-band communications could only have come from one of two people, either Picard or the Klingon ambassador. All they got to do is search him for an E-band transmitter, and we'll have all the answers. The ambassador refuses, and the governor supports him, saying that he and his team will conduct the search, Klingon to Klingon. But the ambassador still isn't having it. He actually requests asylum. So Picard flexes big time. I will certainly grant you asylum when you have been absolved of this crime. The Klingons beam out, and apparently, I guess we're just supposed to assume that he got his in the end. I mean, seriously, like they beam away and that's the last we see or hear of him. But it's not the end of the episode. We get the rare opportunity to see Counselor Troy doing her thing, actually providing therapy. Jordy is struggling with the conditioning. It'll take time, Jordy. A long time. Ah, <sighs> must be nice having no cost available and accessible mental health services available to people. This was a really fun episode, action, drama, tension, and an unexpected twist in it too. It's Star Trek does the Manchurian candidate. We even get our first appearance of the actor John Fleck in this one. And while it's not easy to see just in this episode by itself, this one kicks off a long arc of episodes involving Sella and the Romulans that ends really in the unification of the Vulcans and Romulans that we don't see until all the way in Star Trek discovery. Hey, Brett, have you ever seen Babylon five before? Babylon five mean that show from the nineties? Yep. No, you want to watch it? For the first time? Let's do it. Babylon 5, for the first time, not a Star Trek podcast. We are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5 for the first time. We're searching for Star Trek-like messages in the series and deciding if we should have watched it sooner. You can find us on Good Pods, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Babylon 5, for the first time, not a Star Trek podcast. I have a question for you. What is one thing that separates truly great leaders from the rest? Like, what are they doing that you aren't? The answer? Effective leadership coaching. But here's the thing. It's really hard to find a coach that you will work well with, that you'll get along with, that will that will understand your needs. And that's where the Starfleet Leadership Academy comes in. That's right. If you're a leader or even an aspiring leader that wants to develop and build your skills so you can benefit your teams and you want to do that in a fun and engaging way, reach out today. Visit starfleetleadership.academy contact to schedule a time with me, Jeff Aiken, and find out if coaching from me personally is right for you. That's starfleetleadership.academy slash contact. Thanks, live, lead, and prosper. Has this ever happened to you while you were watching Star Trek? Aaron, honey, pause, pause, pause. Why did Nog just say their first set of ears? I mean, it's weird that he didn't call them lobes. Okay, but first set? Did Ferengi lobes fall off and they grow new ones? Or are they supposed to grow in layers? I don't know. I've never heard anything about it. Ha ha ha. Wait, why do you think their ears would fall off? Is there some kind of animal that really does that? Listen to me, biologist and frequent episode pauser, Kelly Voss. And me, lifelong Star Trek fan and engineer, Aaron Strom. As we share the conversations we were already having at our house anyway. The Spinal Frontier comes out on your favorite podcatcher every second and fourth Monday. You can follow us at Spinal Frontier on Twitter and Spinal Frontier Pod on Instagram for updates. Okay, honey, you can press play. I do carry a select line of unique artifacts and gemstones indigenous to this region. John Fleck plays the Romulan guy that is leading Jordy's conditioning. He has a very distinctive voice that really jumps out at you. He goes on to play roles in DS9 and Voyager, but really hits his stride in Enterprise. He plays Silic, the Sulaban that we met in Broken Bow, and that is the main Cabal guy that we see through the series. He is great in every role that he plays, and you can see all the potential in this one. He is a great, great villain. Now, I've mentioned Sela a few times. I won't tell her whole story here. That's really for the Redemption two-parter that'll come up at some point but she's a fascinating and important villain in the series. She adds a lot to the Romulans and does it in a way that only Star Trek really can. Her story was even picked up in the MMO video game, Star Trek online, which if you haven't played it, you really should. Despite being an MMO, you can totally enjoy it on your own or in a group. And most of the stories are great imaginative continuations of stories from every Trek series. It's a lot of fun, and it's free to play. And that's not even the only arc that runs through this episode. We also get more of Worf and his struggles with the Klingon High Council. Near the end of the third season of TNG, Worf received a discommendation from the High Council to save his brother Kern's life. It's a powerful scene that I actually highlighted in a YouTube video on the SFLA podcast YouTube channel called The Captain's Chair. I highlight that scene because of the incredible support and leadership shown by Picard in a moment that Worf shows tremendous courage. See Picard gets Klingon culture. He stood by Worf through the High Council's hypocrisy, but he wasn't the only one. Most every interaction with another Klingon for Worf is pretty hard. He's stuck carrying a huge stigma, but slowly. More and more are coming out and supporting him. The ambassador in this episode is one of those that are coming out. What matters is you acted on that day as a true Klingon. Now, turns out he's not such a cool dude, (laughs) but he sees the honor in how Worf acted. I really enjoy how they were able to weave so much into this one episode. It's also cool that we got to see Counselor Troy doing her thing. Unfortunately... Even though she says it's gonna take a long time for him to get through this, I don't think we actually ever hear about it again. This episode aired in 1991, a few years before Babylon 5 and DS9 really showed viewers what lasting consequences could look like on TV. Command codes verified. Integrity. This is a word that we see a lot, and in my experience, an actual quality that we don't see often enough. Picard's integrity is the reason this episode even happened. His integrity with the Klingons, with Starfleet, and with his crew. The Enterprise is involved in this whole affair because of the integrity Picard consistently demonstrates. I'm gonna talk about the impacts of having integrity and offer strategies to ensure that you are. And I just talked about Picard standing by Worf and supporting him. He does that again in this episode. I'm going to talk about the right way to do this that won't leave your team floundering on their own. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support the ongoing production of this podcast. I got some tough feedback from a team member not too long ago. I was going to take some time off and they were going to cover a meeting of mine. Now, this person is brilliant and really good at their job, but they also don't have the experience I or many of my peers have in meetings with a lot of people with impressive-sounding titles. I didn't take this into account, right? I just trusted them. I knew they were up to the task, and I wanted, I really kind of selfishly wanted to use this to shine a spotlight on them in front of other leaders in the organization. And yeah, they did great. Handled everything really well. Worked out just the way I expected, right? Except for one teeny tiny little detail. You see, they were freaked out and didn't necessarily share my confidence in them for this situation. When I got back and we touched base, they told me that, hey, you got this, was not enough for them. So my takeaway? Well, I supported them, trusted them and believed in them, you know, the things that you should do as a leader and a manager, I still failed to fully prepare them. In this episode, the Klingon ambassador is inviting Picard and the Enterprise to participate in the investigation as to whether or not the Federation is aiding rebels on a Klingon colony. Part of that is a tactical appraisal of the situation, and on the Enterprise, that means working with Lieutenant Worf. Picard says as much, but the ambassador isn't too keen on it. Picard's response is excellent. Uh, Worf's discommendation makes that very awkward. If I could work with one of the other security officers... Lieutenant Worf is my chief of security and my tactical officer. This matter clearly falls within his jurisdiction. Whatever issue the ambassador or the Klingon Empire has with Worf is irrelevant. That is irrelevant. Bottom line is, he's a crew member on the Enterprise and a part of the senior staff. Picard is going to do the same thing that I did. He's going to support him trust him, and believe in him. But based on what we saw in this episode, Picard also didn't prepare Worf for what was coming. At a minimum, I hope Picard didn't just send the ambassador to reach out to Worf, like call him into the ready room, right? Tell him about the assignment. Be ready to answer any questions, respond to any concerns that Worf might have. As much as Picard is supporting him, Worf might be super uncomfortable working with the ambassador at least give him a chance to say that I mean at least tell wharf hey you've got this which (laughs) which if you remember isn't good enough either but it's better than just sending dude to reach out to wharf but there is so much more to do it all starts with the face to face do you understand the task what questions do you have what are you concerned about maybe Maybe even role-playing through specific scenarios and possibilities. Maybe tomorrow we can play d and In my situation, a conversation about the meeting would likely have resulted in me sharing some insights into how some of the executives think, like what questions they were likely to have. And then we could have practiced responding to them. If you're sending someone out to a job site on their own for the first time bring up the likely obstacles they're going to run into actually yeah okay okay i remember a situation with a small construction company not too long ago so i was providing coaching to one of the leads there coaching by the way that you can also get by reaching out to me via email or social media just listen to the ad that i played a little while back in this episode and you'll hear all about it well anyway this person is one of my coaching clients and they were about to let one of their team members run the crew for the day on their own. We talked through the likely problems they were gonna face. In this case, one of the team members tended to disappear for like an hour or so, saying they were using the porta potty And then there's a resident near the site that would sometimes come out and give them a hard time. It's loud enough that my TV at a normal level, I can't watch my TV. So we met with the guy and talked through these, they even role played talking with the resident and everything turned out great. The bathroom bandit dude didn't pull his shenanigans, but the resident did come out and the crew lead and training handled him beautifully. This worked because the person I work with not only trusted, supported and believed in his team member, but he also took the time to prepare him. I want you, I really, really want you to learn from my mistake. And from what I'm assuming, Picard missed too. Even when someone appears to be totally ready to rock it, pause and take the time to be sure. I mean, worst case scenario, they tell you they've got it and they don't need the prep. But you have done everything you can to set them up for success. But if you don't even offer, you are missing a huge opportunity. In Worf's interaction with the ambassador, he stands up, not only for the Federation, but for Picard specifically. The ambassador is prodding him, trying to see if he can get anything implicating the Federation, and Worf just lays it out, playing his day. If Captain Picard said they're not involved, they're not involved. Period. The ambassador, of course, pooh-poohs this, saying that Picard could be lying to cover stuff up, to which Worf responds. Captain Picard does not lie. Now, that's honestly a pretty immature and ill-informed statement. He could be telling the truth. But then he wouldn't be. So if you told me that he said yes, I know the answer is no. But I could be telling the truth. But then he would be lying. So if you told me that he said yes, I know the answer would Uh, still be no. Wait a minute. Is that right? But there's a reason he said it. He said it. Because Picard has integrity. Picard is true to his word and shares as much of the truth as he's able to. He owns his mistakes and owns when Starfleet or the Federation have fallen short. I've said it a few times in this episode already, but integrity is more a word that is said than an action that is seen in today's world. Unless you're listening to this in 2142 and people have dramatically changed from now in late 2022. And if that's the case, hey, that's awesome. I hope that the Starfleet Leadership Academy was a part in making that change happen. But for you listening now in 2022 or 2023, we very much hear this word a lot more than we see it. And this isn't just my cynical worldview. Edelman released results from a 2017 survey that showed a lack of integrity is the leading cause in the public's lack of faith and trust in companies and organizations. But another survey from Notre Dame's Mendoza College of Business showed that the word integrity was the most common stated value of multinational corporations and showed up almost 80% more than the second most commonly stated value of concern for customers and more than twice the frequency of the third most stated respect so with integrity being the most stated value among companies there must be an overwhelming demonstrable outpouring of it right well sadly no the generally accepted definition of integrity is seeing a person or organization behave in ways that are consistent with what they say does the walk match the talk now first what does the talk look like there are the stated values we've been talking about which from another notre dame whoops (laughs) sorry about that let's try it again from another notre dame survey We see that 70% of the survey respondents said their employer had listed formal, official values. But 27% of the people couldn't remember what any of those values were. Like, they were literally just words on a poster. Some organizations go so far as to even switch up their C-suite. They take someone like the Chief Ethics Officer or Chief Compliance Officer and they rechristen them. Chief Integrity Officer. But even with these gestures, it is rare that we ever see observable, verifiable actions and behaviors that demonstrate integrity, that demonstrate that promises are being kept. Now, I'm gonna talk about what you can do to be a part of the solution here to actually demonstrate integrity. But I'm gonna do a TLDR for you, right? Just make it nice and easy because the secret is honestly pretty simple here it is are you ready do what you say you are going to do and then keep doing that there you go that's all there is to it no spin no games just do what you say you will when you say you'll do it and do that all the time boom you're ready to go change the world but honestly Honestly, there's more to it than that, and it might be harder to achieve than I just made it sound. Almost every leadership example that we have in the public space is the exact opposite of this. Politicians promise to to cure diseases, solve homelessness, and stop all crime. Despite the fact they have yet to do any of those things, we we keep reelecting them. And we don't reelect them because we believe in them. We don't reelect them because we even like them. We reelect them because they say that the other person who says they're going to stop all crime and do all the impossible things that they said they do also, but by the way, didn't do, they tell you that the other person doesn't know what they're talking about. They're going to do it in a dangerous way, or even worse, they aren't even qualified to do it. They differ on some key issues. I say your three cent titanium tax goes too far, and I say your three cent titanium tax doesn't go too far enough. Yet we keep falling for this. It's unbelievable. It happens organizationally as well. CEOs report to their boards and their shareholders, you know, at least quarterly. They tell them profits will be up and innovations will continue but they aren't. Companies actively stifle innovation and they leave so much potential profit on the table as a result of that. But when that board finally gets tired of the CEO not delivering on their impossible promises and they fire them, that CEO just shows up at another company a few months later to do the same thing. And they make that transition, most often, with a super sweet walk away package, right? We have created a society and a paradigm that actively rewards what we say instead of what we do. So we say we value integrity, but toss it out the window the second it gets too hard to do. Now I just painted a nearly impossible problem to solve. I did exactly what the politicians do, right? I blame society, that big amorphous nothing that is really good at taking the blame actually. But I'm not gonna leave you there. Here are three steps actionable steps you can take every day to ensure that you are demonstrating integrity. First, say you will do things you can actually achieve and be specific in what you say you will do. Second, be open and transparent with your decision-making. Third, publicly own your mistakes. In my earlier examples, politicians and CEOs over-promised on unachievable things. I will solve the homelessness crisis is not a thing you're going to do. But now a new statewide plan to tackle the problem of homelessness once and for all. But increasing low-cost housing by 14% and providing a 20% increase to crisis intervention teams over the next two years, those are achievable and they're specific. And we have every reason to believe these may actually help people that are unhoused or homeless. With this, you can be open and transparent, not only in these end goals, but also in your decision-making process. Like, why a 14% increase and not a 90%, right? Wouldn't that be great? Just be open about that, talk through it. Let them know that three developers have stepped forward and are willing to dedicate their operations over the next two years to developing low-cost housing. With those resources, we can expect about 14% more units. We might end up with more, right? But 14% is achievable, and that's what we're planning for. Then share updates. Be open, transparent, and be public about how things are going. And that leads to the third step. Publicly own your mistakes and own them as soon as you know about them, right? Like nine months in, if you're not tracking to hit those targets that you set, Looks like you're only going to hit, I don't know, 8% growth. And it's because you thought that you could change the zoning of a certain parcel of land or something. I don't know. And then you weren't able to do it. You share that and you share it right away. I made a mistake and thought I could do this thing. I was wrong. Here's what I'm going to do to make it right. Or so now we're only going to hit 8% instead of the 14% we said we would. And that is totally on me. I absolutely guarantee you that the outcome of that will be dramatically different than if you just buried your head in the sand and waited till the end of the two years for people to see that you failed. You own it up front and you are more likely to either get someone to step up and fill that gap or worst case, at least everybody will know what's up and you're not caught trying to cover something up. Now, these three steps work in every situation. You have someone on your team that wants to start working the morning shift instead of evenings first be honest in telling them if it's even possible or not if it is possible be specific about what that will look like we don't have any openings there right now but I'll talk to some people and I'll let you know by next week what I find out second give them the outcome and talk them through what you're thinking I talked to a few people and it looks like we can move you over but but it's going to be in about six weeks instead of right away. Or I talked to the people that I could on this, but but there just isn't an opening in the foreseeable future. And then if something goes wrong, own it, tell them, I know I told you that I'd follow up this week, but I haven't been able to have the conversations I need to. I'm going to make that right. I'm going to keep you in the loop as I do. So this isn't hard and you can do it one on one, You can do it with small groups and even entire organizations. Again, step one, only say you will do things you can actually achieve and be specific in what you say you're going to do. Second, be open, be transparent with your decision-making. And when things go wrong, step three, publicly own your mistakes. I want to thank you for listening to the Starfleet Leadership Academy. My goal in creating this content for you is to help develop leadership skills and in doing that, help build a future where people are appreciated and able to do the great things they're capable of. If listening to this podcast has helped you achieve those things, or even if you just enjoy listening to me talk about Star Trek, well, will you do me a favor? Will you share the Starfleet Leadership Academy with someone that you know that could also benefit from it? Oh. I would really, really appreciate it if you would do that. And I would love to connect with you. I'm on Twitter at SFLA Podcast and you can follow me on most all the other social media at Jeff T. Aiken. That's Jeff T as in 10 forward. A-K-I-N. Computer, what are we going to watch next time? Yes, finally our first episode from strange new worlds now whenever a series pops up that we haven't watched before we start with the first episode which in this case is strange new worlds they kick off with a self-titled album which worked out pretty well for rush and a lot of other bands so so i've got high hopes we're gonna meet number one a younger spock and someone i am so excited to Finally, bring in to the Starfleet Leadership Academy Captain Christopher Pike. Hey, hey, I just asked you to share this podcast with someone that can benefit from it. Strange New Worlds will be an excellent episode to start them off with. I cannot wait. But until then, ex Astra Scientia. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Asset. Electric 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 Welcome to the Candle Power Hour.